Welcome to the Level Up Podcast, brought to you by Century 21, the Harrelson Group, featuring masterminds with real estate leaders, coaches, and influencers, plus eye-opening strategy sessions with up-and-coming agents. You'll learn exactly how to go from agent to entrepreneur. And now, let's get to the latest episode of Level Up. Hey, welcome up, welcome back, everybody, to the uh, Level Up podcast. I'm Brendan Payne, and I've got my business partner and good friend Greg Harrelson on the other end. Hey, Greg, how's it going? I'm doing good, man. This is our first recording for 2020, so I'm excited to kind of get back into the swing of things here. Yep, 2020, and we brought a, an incredible guest, Mr. Ryan Finch from the Eastern Seaboard, straight north of us in Virginia Beach, right? Yes, sir. Outstanding. Awesome. Well, Ryan, thank you for uh, for hopping on here. I know you've got a lot of good stuff, and you kind of um, you kind of exude the agent entrepreneur spirit that we're trying to get across in this podcast. So uh, for those that don't know you, just you know, give us a brief rundown of where you're at and what type of business that you're doing uh, right now. Sure. So we're in the um, Virginia Beach, Virginia area. We have uh, corporate locations that run here with a couple hundred agents. And then we have a national franchise company that runs out of here uh, that we're in, I think, six or seven states now. Okay. Awesome. 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 So how long have you been in business then? Uh, so I got into real estate when I was in, in 2006 and then I opened up first class real estate in 2013. Okay. Another person got in at the, uh, at the beginning <coughs> of the end for a few years. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and he's uh, still so, here. And he's still he's here. He's still here. Cause there's not a lot of 2006ers that made it to 2020. That's <laughs> not, a, not a lot of them. You know, um, uh, Brennan, I, uh, Ryan and I talked a little bit before you hopped on and, mm -hmm. um, and there's so much information I think that we can tap into, but maybe if I'll just uh, suggest, you know, Ryan, why don't you take us through a journey from 2006 to where you are kind of, I mean, we're not going to have to get too deep into the story, but I think the theme of agent to entrepreneur, uh, which is what we look for on the podcast, <laughs> really, really applies to you. And, and so it's important for people to kind of see the progression and then we'll just start digging into the, the meat and potatoes of kind of where you are now and, and give them some nuggets. But can you just kind of take us through that progression? Sure. So, um, you know, I was a plumber and I was doing that. I didn't know that one. I didn't yeah, know that one. I, I actually, I, I went through a divorce and, uh, and you know, I was like, man, I'm not going to be able to do this, be in my kid's school play. So I said, I got to find something new. Um, not knowing the end was coming. Real estate seemed like a good idea in 2006, you know, we're at the top of the market. Um, jumped in, jumped on somebody's team at Remax, worked on their team for about a year, moved over, and I went to uh, really running as an independent agent at their firm. And, um, and then I started building a team. Um, I think I lost money doing that, going from when I was working on a team, I was making money. I went to start a team, and all of a sudden, I'm getting more commission but making less money. It was pretty, pretty funny how that worked out, um, which leads all the way to the rest of the story. But essentially – there's a way to make money doing it. And I realized that there's companies that don't set up, you know, succeed. So, you know, I was toiling and going through and then the market goes down. That didn't help much more. Um, build a team, <clears throat> end up setting up a national REO account, selling REOs all the way across the country. It was really the setup for what we do today, but that was where we realized we could run a technology, run listings and sales all the way through. So we, we did that, we did the REO stuff, and then that market kind of shifted to change as well. At that point we said, hey, now's the time, if we're ever gonna do it, let's go ahead and open up our own company. 2013, we opened up First Class Real Estate. Um, we don't know what we're doing, there's 10 of us that leave um, the company we're at, and we go get this 6,000 square foot office. I, I don't know what we were thinking, it's telling you the story, I sound like an idiot, because you know the things I did were probably everything you shouldn't do. 
Um, <laughs> and then somehow we made it. We got up to like 50 agents. At that point in time, we said, hey, we think we got a good model. Let's open up a couple more offices. Then we opened up three offices within a year. Um, another stupid thing because now you have all the rents, the build outs, the employees, everything, and you don't have the agents to bring in any revenue. Um, moving forward, last year, um, yeah, so we take almost six months to a year to open a franchise company. We open up the franchise company, we open the mortgage company, we open the national title company, all in the same year while building out a technology and a 12, uh, yeah, 12,000 square foot corporate resource center. Not very bright. So we did all of that stuff, um, but it paid off. So now we have all of those businesses thriving and, and growing in the last year. And we're really excited for where we are today. Cool. So here's one thing that I just picked up on. And, and, and it's not that he said it, but it's just an observation. And for the listeners out there, it, it's amazing how when you have the courage to walk through one door. So first of all, he's a plumber. Okay. And he decides to have the courage to go get into real estate. He gets into real estate. And then all of a sudden he says, oh, I need to join a team. So what he did, what I hear you did, Ryan, is you kept walking through a door. Like you walked through this one door, it's called real estate, where you saw other doors. You saw real estate teams, you saw this, you saw that. So then you walked through another door and got on a real estate team. When you got on a real estate team, you saw another door. And, and then after that, you saw a door called REO. Then you saw a door of national REO. Then you saw a door of, hey, maybe we need to open up companies. And then saw a door said, I don't want to open up companies. Maybe we ought to franchise this out. And then you continued and opened up doors for ancillary products like title and mortgage. I don't know that you just said that, but I do know that about you. So the reason why I bring this you know, uh, to, to one's attention on, on the podcast is, you know, we, sometimes we got to be a, stop being afraid to walk through the door. Because, you know, go out there and do something new, no matter what, like wh what you did as you're new didn't end up being what you did as, at, at the end. But if you wouldn't have walked through those doors, you'd have never got to exactly where you are. Am I making sense on that one, Brendan? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, that's a great point. Yeah, that's yeah. good. So I, I just want to acknowledge that because I think that the courage that you had to go through that and not be complacent um, helps you get to where you are now. It's awesome. Yep. Well, I can tell you too, I, I, my dad was a plumbing contractor, had his own business for 20 years. So setting, setting toilets and in, in, in uh, shower doors and septic tanks and all that stuff. So I know what you got out of. So mm -hmm. that was, you had some motivation there. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So tell us a little bit more about, you know, what I, I find fascinating is you, you're making a conscious decision to not build companies or start companies where you have all those obligations of the rent and leases and, and those types of obligations, which is not necessarily uh, a, a bad move for somebody. But if you're going to franchise across the country, it's hard for you to actually manage that on a local level in each individual market. Let the local servicer actually take those risks. They will know how to take those risks and mitigate those. What you're doing is you're franchising. So if somebody, like, what are some of the values that you're bringing um, when it comes to franchise? If somebody's listening to us and they're like, man, I'd love to buy a franchise like that, you know, what would they get? You know, how are you transitioning from building teams, companies to franchising? What's the difference in all that? Sure. So, uh, you know, it goes back to kind of what you said earlier. And you said there ain't a lot of agents from 2006, you That's know, right. so, so what happens is, there's a certain amount of agents that don't make it through the ups and downs. 
then there's a certain amount of team leaders who don't make it, right? There's a certain amount of offices that open that don't make it, right? And there's a, there's a certain amount of businesses that don't make it. So all of those things are what led me to the purpose all the way through to where we are today, which is essentially saying we set up um, what we feel like is the best of, the, of every world that's out there, meaning because we have two different models at our company, but we provide everything to run those two models, right? So, so a good example would be something like if you went to McDonald's today and you went to go order a hamburger, they're not killing the cow out in the back, right? Mm-hmm. When you're running the office, that's what you're talking about. You got to kill the cow. You got to generate leads. You got to have a closing coordinator. You got to have somebody marketing, somebody holding the front desk, somebody managing all the people, somebody recruiting. All of the pieces that go on, you got to do the onboarding. All of those pieces that go in with running it is essentially running the farm to run a McDonald's, right? And instead, you just want to run the McDonald's, order the hamburger when you need it, and sell it, right? They don't make hamburgers. They heat them up. And we set up, and we use the technology to just be a way to give the leads and appointments to our franchisees. They pay a cost, but they give it to the agent on a split. And the agent's happy with that because now they don't have a cost, and the franchisee is setting up the business, and now they don't have a cost unless they've got a product that they've sold, right? So, so that's all set up that way. We've got the training set up. It just takes a long time to build training and agents need it. I mean, there's so much information in this business that to tell somebody how to succeed as a listing agent, as a buyer agent, how to run a team. We set up a system that shows all of that, has all the reporting, report cards, dashboards, every book you could want to read is on there. Every podcast is on there. You go on there, you probably see your podcast is on there. So because we point people to where they can go to get the information, you know, and that's that's what's set up. But that's a plug and play and that's no cost to the people coming in. They can add in closing coordination. They have everything they need as a brokerage in a box. So the transaction goes into transaction management, ties to the CRM. So now closing coordination can work on it inside of the system. It has all the checklists and everything. And, and I know all that's boring minutia, but essentially that's all set up. It's the organization that us salespeople lack. And I happen to be one of those unique people that's a sales guy and a C personality, which I, I, I don't like to do the detailed stuff, but I can think in detail and then I can, and then I can have somebody create it because I just don't have the, the time or patience to do that. But, but to be able to think in those details and organize all those and, and we measure everything. Most of the people are just flying by the seat of their pants trying to figure out what's going on. We measure it and every week. And like I mentioned to you, I did, I did with all of our franchisees. I did a call right before this and we go through it. Hey guys, how many did you recruit? How many agents? You recruited them, great. How many do they sell? How many listings do you have? How many listings are under contract? How many agents on this model are selling? How many agents on this model are selling, right? So all of that has to have some accountability. Somebody goes in and shows and you go, you can't lie. I mean, either the transaction's in the system or it's not, oh, we're going to put it in next week or, oh, I'm going to hire so-and-so next week. So anyway, I don't want to bore you with all that, but that's the that's the nuts and bolts of what it is to make it where somebody can tell you what to work on. Because most of the time, you just, you wake up in the morning, you're like, I don't know what I'm going to work on today. Maybe you're the other type that you're just transacting over and over and over again, and you can't get any deals going, or you're just doing deals. You can't grow your business because you're working uh, in the business. So, so anyway, that's the nuts and bolts of it. Wow. Yeah. So one of the things that I'm hearing in there, Ryan, is that the, in, and I think over the years, because there's so much now that's expected from the agent, that if you haven't realized that you have to be a specialist, mm then probably missing out on the whole shift that's happened in this profession. Like you have to be a specialist. So now as an agent, if you, you have a choice, you can either be the specialist, but now spend money on doing all those things mm-hmm. and take on all that uh, cost and take on all the responsibility and take on all the staffing, or you seek out somebody 
who can actually turn you into the specialist. And that sounds like what you've done from the company standpoint, the franchisee standpoint is take on those on those, uh, those necessary things that have to be done, but then send them out to actually just go do the deal, which is really what most people want to do. And they don't have the skill set to set all that stuff up. So instead, they just fly. <coughs> so is, is that kind of where you guys, that's kind of what you have set up as the model, is you take everything off the plate, put the franchisee in the position where they can just bring agents on, and now the agent's in a position where they can just go convert deals. Right. Well, so they can do any of the any of the pieces that they want. So there's a whole growth plan on it. So if they want to do listings, they can do listings. If they want to do buyers, they can do buyers. If they want to close their own deals out, they can. If they want to outsource it. Closing coordination's in there. The checklist is on it. Um, but what we're really finding is this, and I hate to give you guys a secret, but I'm going to give you the secret. <laughs> Agents don't want to make phone calls. No. So, so there's been a huge push in generating business from your own stuff. You got seven levels of communication. You got Buffini, right? Get your own sphere of influence and it's fine. Most people won't do it, but if you do it, you're going to generate business. That's one option. We said, but that only leaves one side of the business. The other side of it is the phone has to ring. So we set up that part nationally. So, you know, you anywhere in any market you go, you've got a team leader who's running the team, doing really good at one of these companies. And what do they have? An inside sales department that's driving all the sales. Because if you're making phone calls, you're not in the street. And if you're in the street, you're not making phone calls, right? And so we figured that out. That is the shift that's going on. Agents don't want to pick up the phone, but they want to be in the street because that's how they can end up making their money. And so we can do it here. So the technology just allows us to see the lead and call the lead no matter where they are in there and then assign the lead and the appointment and schedule it out for them and set it up. And that's what's happening with Op City. That's what's happening with all these other big companies that are running it. We just happen to plug and play it all together. So instead of saying, hey, you're only giving them a percentage of the deal they give you, you can still go do your own deals as well. And so, so we've, really, we've really just, like I said, we've compiled all the pieces together. Our system allows you to run. You could have one office and run your whole state. The technology just allows it because you can pass leads and appointments to somebody in a different area. All you have to do is add a new MLS because you need an MLS for whatever part of your state that would be in. Right. So, so that's the only restriction that really holds people back. So it's, it's exploding, man. I mean, we're hiring 30 or 40 agents a month right now. So it's, it's exciting. Um, and people are really taking hold of it. And the agents are selling, like I told you, we were 300 million. I, we did, I don't know what we did, like 150 or no, 180 the year before. So we went from 180 to 300, you know, in that period of time. And that was with selling franchises. So let me we ask you no this. franchise this time today, last year, we had no franchise. None. So let me ask you this when, you know, cause I'm a little bit, I want to make sure I have some clarity here. Yeah. Can an agent with, um, let's just say with Keller Williams, with Remax, yeah. with Century 21, can sure. an agent go and franchise with you and work under another umbrella or is it they actually open up a first class real estate franchise and that becomes their brick and mortar, assuming they have some space in their local market. <clears throat> so, so, you know, we talked about that. I actually thought about going and getting with some of the level up people at some of those other companies and plug it in, but I just don't think it's going to make sense because they wouldn't want to pay twice, you know? So yeah. the value yeah. that they're getting here is different than there. Um, I just think those ships can't change direction to where we're setting up to go. But um, so yeah. yeah, they would, they would essentially do it. And, but the funny thing is, no, they don't need an office. We have franchises that don't even have locations. So sure. they can do it with no location, hardly any startup costs. And really, the amount of money they'll pay to Keller Williams, if that's an example, in a year's yeah. time frame, it would be less, would be, that's more than it would cost them to open their own company and do this and keep all of it and then be able to add on all the other pieces. 
It, it comes back to scale. I mean, yeah. I, I tell you, I wrote this down. And when you look, see me looking down, it's because I'm making notes because I, I take a lot of notes through these things. I mean, one of the things I just can't stop looking at is the analogy of, you know, the, you got the farm and then you've got the actual McDonald's. And, and, and the, every local, every market has a local operator for the McDonald's. That's right. But they are all serviced by the conglomerate, right? Which is, in your case, you. You know, I don't want to say you're the farm, but in that analogy, in a sense, you are that big conglomerate. And, and then you let local operators pop up their little McDonald's stores, and you now just service all those local McDonald's. I think that's a, a tremendous idea, and, and it's really cool to hear, to hear about that. Um, I, I want to like switch gears, but I'm sure we're going to come back and forth to these things. You said something that I also wrote down. Um, you know, everybody wants to build a team and, you know, I'm, I'm pro team. Um, but I'm anti team building for people that shouldn't be building teams. Right, Maybe they're right. not leaders. Right. But yep. you said something I thought was fascinating. <clears throat> I haven't heard anybody admit it like you have. You says like you were, went from being an agent, working on a team, making money to actually losing money by having a team. Mm -hmm. Tell us about that because maybe that could help somebody. There's people out there are about ready to, to, to build teams and they shouldn't, they, and they're probably about ready to lose some money. What did you figure out? What, what happened? What are you talking about with that? Right. So, you know, and, and I'm not biased toward one way or the other. So like, yeah. I'm not, I'm not trying to take somebody that's on somebody's team and say, Oh, stay on that team. I, I don't care about that. That's not the, that's not the point of me saying what I said, but yeah. what I said is, I didn't know the numbers of it. So when I started paying, you're paying one way or another. So, you know, you're paying in a transaction fee or a monthly fee or an office rent. All those things kind of add up. You're paying for leads. You know, you go get the wrong lead account. I'm paying three grand a month for a lead account that gives me three leads. I go run a TV station, radio or TV ad, and I'm losing money because it doesn't do any deals for months, right? So all of those things start adding up if you don't have enough transactions. You end up giving an agent on your team a really high split. So now you're paying for the leads, paying for the office, paying the transaction, plus paying um, for to run and operate. Maybe you got some admin and then the agent's making 70 or 80% of the commission, right? Well, now you're like, you can't afford to do that. It just doesn't make sense. $1,500 just isn't going to cover all your deals. And then guess what? Johnny, your agent who's on a 70, 30 goes on vacation this week. Yeah, he didn't make any money. His deal's closing next month but neither did you. And you still were there holding the bag. And that's not to stop anybody. That's just to say, you got to calculate all those things when you're going in. And I didn't, I've always been, you mentioned going through the next door. That's probably the arrogance in me of going, I want more. I got a purpose and a plan of why I'm here. And I want to go do that, but, but going and doing it and then figuring out along the way. And, and that's okay. It's a model, probably not the best model. Lead with profit is my new model. Um, so, so that way, you know, you're leading a profit going into it, you know, you're going to spend money to go to those other models. So, yeah, a true entrepreneur though, you know, <laughs> Ryan is how I'm seeing you. Um, because, uh, you know, the reality is a lot of the, the reasons why you're doing the things that you're doing now in a, in a good way is because of all the screw ups you had along the way. I want to help other people. I, it just boils down to helping other people, you know, and setting all this stuff. I lost money. I mean, it cost me half a million dollars to open up this franchise location that we have without any franchise. So it cost me money, but I knew I had to do it because I knew somebody else was going to be either held down. Somebody's going to hold them in this position, not push them, tell them they're not good enough. Tell them they're not capable of tell them what was in their best interest to say, no, the sky's the limit. Let's go. You can go do this. Here's how you do it. Here's the setup. You're going to screw up a little bit along the way, but minimize the risk and you can set it up where you can lose small and win big. And that's the only way to be able to do it. You know? Yep. Yep. Cool.
Ryan, where did you, um, because I, I wrote down two things too, transparency. So I appreciate yeah. that. The yeah. fact that, I mean, you, there's, there's no better word to describe the first, whatever, 15 minutes than you are transparent. I love you, it. You have, you brought up in the first five minutes, multiple failures with, yeah. with, from a contribution standpoint. So that's huge. What I think is important too, to point out is where did you, somewhere along the line, and this will help people, you have to go all in, in any business that's entrepreneurial, any type, you have to make the, you have to burn the boats, go all in. Mm. Where was that for you? And how did you turn that into a habit? Because it's become a habit because what was high risk, maybe with high reward. Now you've figured out how to make lower risk, but you're still willing to take the risk. That's a habit I see. You know, I got fortunate in finding the REO account that I did because it both brought in a lot of revenue and, and it taught me a lot about how the business works. So when I wanted to go replicate it, I said, well, what, how did that model work? Why did that work so well? Because we had listings and we got percentages back on the listings. I said, oh, okay. So how do we replicate that? So that's similar to what we replicated. But what happened is in finding that success, I had to decide where was going to be enough to stop. So which means I could have stayed in my own office grown my one office and just done exorbitant amount and taken over the, this market and, and it been what it been and only I would have won. So what happened is in burning the boats was, it's not about me. I said, okay, great. You're going to have all this money. You're going to set up a trust. Your kids are going to be spoiled and get this. And I looked the kids right in the face because I, I have two of them. And I just said, guys, I'm going to risk it all. I said, I'm going to go take a chance and risk it all because I would rather do something massive that helps a lot of people than to just hold on to everything and pass it through. And me have taken all the bumps and bruises to pass it through to you guys that you won't understand. And my daughter actually works at the company now. She's 18. So she works here now too. So she can see what it is. And we took those risks um, to do it because we just, we had a larger plan and a larger purpose. So it's not, it's not a money thing. It's a purpose thing. It was, it's, you know why you're here, you know what you're supposed to. And I haven't reached what I think I'm capable of yet. And that will be when I'll stop. You know, every, it seems like, not every, I can't say every, but just about, uh, you know, a high percentage of the people that I see taking risk, building stuff that's big, you know, really, like truly being an entrepreneur, it, it seems like very rarely are they chasing money. Right, they're so. actually cha chasing change. They're chasing contribution. They're chasing, you know, wanting to create opportunities for others. But it's not, I also don't want to put the person on that pedestal to say that they don't think about money, that, sure. oh, they're so like good, they don't think about money. No, they think about money. They just have figured <clears throat> out that the way to generate true wealth is by helping other people become wealthy. If, if you get another people, if you help enough people get what they want, then you, then, then it'll help you get what you want. So, yeah. A hundred percent, you know, and so I hear that. Another thing that I wanted to ask you that I wrote down a, a minute ago is, um, you know, there's plenty of people out there, teams, corporations, however you want, brokerages, and, you know, they provide all these things to agents. They provide leads, they provide coaching, they provide transaction management and whatnot, marketing services and whatnot. And yet, there are still some agents that have all that, but they don't succeed. For some reason, they're just not succeeding. And I'm sure that happens, has happened to you along the way. And uh, you may even experience it now. You see some agents that are do that. What are you seeing 
are some of the reasons why agents don't succeed, though they have been giving every single resource that's needed to succeed. What's the disconnect there, if you can comment on that? Sure. So, you know, you guys mentioned that I talk about transparency uh, and things. And um, in every office that we have, we have glass. My, I have a glass door right here. We have glass in the conference room. And anytime somebody comes for a discovery day or comes in our office, we explain to them, we have two main focuses that we make sure is transparency and clear vision. And, mm-hmm. and the clear vision is so important because what happens is the people don't fail because they don't have the things. There's a leadership quality that has to come in and show them the vision. So they, they've got an idea of what they want, but they don't know how to get there. So that vision has to be there to say, if you have this, this is how you use it. Now, yes, we have things. We have first class university and people probably don't go on it. We have an app people don't use, right? We, that's okay. And we have people that do. We set appointments. Some people take it. We have duty schedule where they can get leads and appointments and some of them take them and some of them don't. And so everybody has kind of a different need and a different thing of what they want, but it's all based on the vision of what they want. So what happens is the breakdown comes in that vision. The vision that they wanted was something different other than the success that we think is success. Oh, you have to do X amount of transactions. You have to do this. You have to convert leads. You have to set appointments. You have to do this. You do. But they're saying, no, I need to be at my kid's school function. No, I need to make sure that there's dinner on the table at home. So there's other pushes and pulls to why people are in the business. And the stay-at-home mom, I know plenty of them that make plenty of money. And I know some of them that do a deal here and there. And that was their vision of what they wanted. It didn't matter how many leads you gave them. It wasn't going to change the vision of what they have for their life and what they wanted. And the, the, this is the worst one, though. The worst one is they don't have a vision at all. They don't even know. They're just moving aimlessly somewhere else. And you mentioned it earlier about leadership. It's lacking. It's not out there. There's not people. They're bringing people in the door and not leading them to what it is that they want. And the only way you're going to get those people to call the leads, the only way you're going to get them to use these tools and these resources is if it's part of the vision that they want. You have to help them create a crystal clear vision of what they want. Then the sky's the limit. You'll see people doing 50, 60 deals a year and still having the balanced life of what they want. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that, that's great. That, that, I haven't heard anybody say it that way, um, but the disconnection is the vision, right? It's, it's not the tools. It's not even their ability. It's no, that sometimes their vision is not lined up with you know maybe the success that they feel like they need or somebody thinks that they should they should have it's just a disconnect or or they don't have any vision at all like you said even even worse um but that's great that's great thoughts on that brendan yeah i what i'm hearing is that what we've all experienced is that you can't you can't want it enough for them like Mm -hmm. we can't want Mm -hmm. it enough for the people we can't transplant our vision of what we see for somebody else and get them to be productive. It's got to be them. It's got to be their clarity. And that's where leadership comes in. I love the, I love the connection between you can't have the clear vision without transparency too. And that's, that's something that you stand for as a company. Yeah. Cause the harder you crack the whip on them to get them to do what they want for your own best interest. Good luck. So you got, Hey, this is what you get. This is what we get. This is what we pay for. This is what, what you get. And this is how it works. And so, you know, what happens when you create a vision? Oh man, you put a vision in somebody of where they can see what they're capable of and give them that kind of encouragement and culture that sets them up to succeed and you build a fire in them. And that fire, they do more than they even thought they could. And that is what this thing is supposed to be about, seeing people do more than they thought. I walked in with tattoos and an orange polo shirt on and some khakis and they went, yeah, right. I mean, you're going to sell a house here or there. You don't have a chance. I didn't even own a suit. I had to borrow somebody else's suit. 
but I got a vision of what it was going to look like. They told me what to do and how much money I could make doing it. And I knew what that would do to my family. I put my kid in private school. I could be able to go to the functions. I could be able to have the house that I wanted. I had a vision of what that meant for my family if I just did what I was told I would do. They didn't create it for me. Unfortunately, they almost didn't think I would succeed. Uh, and uh, I probably would have laughed at myself back then as well. Um, but and unfortunately, I tell you, I, I'm work. laughing because I thought you were going to say, <clears throat> I came in with tattoos and an orange jump shoot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the I had that too. I left it in the car. And flip flops. I'm like, shit, man, you can't yeah. out of prison. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Straight out, straight out, straight out of Compton. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. <laughs> That's great. You know, behind the vision, you know, as you're talking about your vision and you, you know, and, and you, you really haven't shared exactly what your vision is, but you're, you're giving us insight, right? You know, your kid, you know, to have this great education at a private school, you to be at these functions and whatnot. And I think it's so important for each of us to have that vision. I also think it's also important to understand and to connect with why that vision matters to you. Like that vision, like you give us a list of things that you visualize, but assuming that you have all of that and you've accomplished all of that, then what does that mean for you? Mm -hmm. Well, well, the ideal of it is more like the wake that it leaves behind. If I were to create that vision, meaning that my vision, because it's multifaceted, you, you mentioned on the family side, because that's all I talk about, but ideally my goal would be 4,000 locations. So Business-wise, would be 4,000 locations. Then there's a family side of what I like, whether that's what Christmas looks like, whether that's you know my kid graduating, whether that's um, birthdays or traveling as a family. All of those parts come into a clear vision, and it can be yearly. Uh, they can be as a decade. All of those pieces, but it's the wake because it's what I didn't have. So when I grew up, we didn't have any money, so there was no private school. Well, if I put my kid in private school, I think that leads to a separate education that I didn't that I didn't have. If I, if I'm there and my dad wasn't there, then what does that do for my kids? Right? So yeah. if I have a relationship with my wife because of time or economics allows us to quarterly go away together or something like that. So all of those are parts and pieces of the vision, but it's, what does it do that sets the example for my kids of what they would do? Right? So, so it, it's not a, it's ever done and check the boxes. You have to succeed. Cause if not, people are watching and other people's lives are impacted by the creating the vision and then executing on the vision, right? Without excuse. So it can't be, Hey, I got to work late tonight, honey, or, you know, whatever it is on a continual basis and expect to have the vision that you want on either side, you know, business or. Yeah. I may have not asked the question in the, and as, as with the clarity that I wanted, but I can tell you, you answered it exactly how I was thinking. And, and so I can clarify my point a little bit more. There's all these things that we do. And then there's this vision that we have that we can measure against and <laughs> to determine whether or not we could fill in that blank that I mentioned, which that blank for, blank for you, it seems to be to truly make a difference. Like you, you use the term, it's the wake we leave behind. It's that ripple effect, how we've impacted all these other people. And I, and, and I wanted the audience to understand, like, like you have this vision but that vision is not just like checking these things off the list. It's who you're being and then who you're impacting or how you're impacting others along the way. And, and I just keep hearing that and evidence of that with you, you know, throughout the dialogue. So I, I guess that's why I'm trying to bring it to the surface 
you know, for the audience, because I think it makes a difference. I think everyone will do better this year if they realize that they're doing it for something way more important than themselves. Yeah, I really like to the uh, the wake um, reference there because that's your franchisees too. Those are the yeah. people you're talking about. The people in your inner circle is your family, but the people that you're impacting beyond that, um, you know, you're you're changing what's going on with with um, their future and allowing them to do some stuff that they can leave their own wake. Yeah, right. That's the, really the ideal is the same thing you're doing here. You're not doing this for fun. You guys are doing this to get information from different people so that you can impact and inspire and motivate other people to reach their, their highest level of capacity. Yeah. So, and that's why I like doing these as well. I like that y'all set these kind of things up and you know, invited me to do it. And I just hope I, I've given some value or inspiration or something to somebody to say, this idiot plumber can do this kind of you know level of success. I feel like we've reached, you know, we're not there yet, but you know, we, we've done it. So I, you know, I didn't jump out of the bed and do a backhand spring into my pants. And, and neither did you guys and neither right. do they have to, right? So that's it. You know, just put one leg in at a time and go get it done. Create a plan, create a vision and go knock it out. You delivered tremendous value, I have to say. And um, so just to make sure the audience knows, like if they have any interest in first class real estate or any interest in just following you, um, you know, in any, any other podcasts that you do, what's the best way for people to uh, reach out and either send you referrals or get more information about what you're up to? Sure. So they can go on explodemycareer.com uh, and that gives them more information. They can put in uh, their name, their information, their location. We set up a, scall, um, <clears throat> a screen share call and then we would share. <clears throat> sorry about that. Um, they sh we share with them all the stuff on a screen share so they can kind of see it all. Um, they also, I, you know, I'm pretty accessible. I mean, I work very hard to not have too much on my plate that I'm untouchable. So they can email me, Ryan, R H Y A N, at firstclassagents.com. That's one S T C L A S S agents with an S.com. So, and I respond to most of them uh, in, in the event someone to junk mail on, um, they can call the office if they want seven, five, seven, two, five, five, wait, wait, no, five, oh, four, four, six, three. I'll use the other number two, five, 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 oh, four, five, oh, four, four, six, three, six. They can call the office and there too so yeah that, that's awesome it's funny about numbers it's like it's so hard to remember telephone numbers now even your own i don't yeah. even know my kids numbers it's yeah, like awful i just it's just an automatic button you know yeah it's, it's a duty it's a duty number we'll put them in client care and i just said hey, I just call the front office. Just, yeah <laughs> that's awesome so what about you brendan i know we get questions sometimes what's the best way for people to reach out to you and ask you questions yeah hit me up on uh, facebook messengers usually the quickest way and i uh, love starting to see uh, some stuff coming through on instagram too so we appreciate that and uh, and your feedback as well. well well awesome and the same for me if anybody wants to reach out ask any questions just go to my uh facebook page hit the message button it's the most efficient convenient way for me uh, you know, to stay connected to the level of podcast audience, man, Ryan, you delivered, man. I really appreciate it. It was, uh, I, I don't think that we've ever crossed paths, you know, um, you know, so it's always nice, uh, you know, meeting someone new. I appreciate you taking the time and sharing with the audience. I know the audience is the same, so good luck to you. Go build out. How many, you said, how many franchise 44,000. That's okay. your goal. Yeah, That's yeah. the vision for this yeah. year. Yeah, well, because multiple people have more than one because the way it's set up, they can expand pretty quickly. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, good luck to you. Uh, keep making a difference. Thank you, Brendan. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll see everybody on the next episode of the Level Up Podcast.